All right, thanks for joining us on this Tuesday morning. We got a guest coming up, Gordon Monson. The guest line is now. We call it actually call it the Smart Rain guest line because it's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. You can find out more at smartrain.net. Joining us now, you hear him on the big show, 2 to 6. He writes for the Watchdog. Gordon Monson. Gordon, I'm going to start off, man. I listened to your show. Tell me, why are you so high on the Jazz and thinking that they're actually going to win the title in 21-22? Because it's apparent that you think that. Never said that. (laughs) Never said that. (laughs) I didn't say you said that. I said it's apparent you think that. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way you're drawing conclusions, PK. (laughs) I just said they. I think they're better than they were, uh, better prepared to uh, handle what the NBA will bring, especially in the playoffs. Don't know if they'll win a title, uh, and I have not said that. But you were the first person, PK, in my career who ever called me a homer. They call you a homer? I'm a homer. You act like being a homer is so bad. I don't. Uh, homers, we're all homers. Come on, everybody's a homer. You act like that's like the like, I don't know a, a, a triple, quadruple times a thousand axe murderer. <laughs> you, oh, you take yeah. it like it's so bad. That's the worst thing. You know, have, draft dodging. Read. You know what? Whatever, whatever in your day that gets you fired up. I'm like, I want all the teams to win. I mean, I don't really care in the final analysis, but sure, yeah. We're just talking about Zach Wilson. I want him to do well. Now, if he doesn't do well, does it really matter to me? But I like the kid. I want to see him do well. So does that make me a homer? Fine. Makes me a homer. Who, how do I care what other people think about me? What does it, what does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. We'll let that be. I do think the Jazz are, are better improved. They're more flexible, more uh, versatile, I guess. But we'll see how that turns out. You know, so much of it depends on how healthy the team is when it matters most. And uh, I know people look at that as an excuse. But, I mean, the Lakers last year really got hurt by injury. I think the Jazz were as well at the end. But anyway, uh yeah, I mean, I, I think they've they've done a nice job this offseason, did what they had to do to try and, and edge the thing forward. Speaking of... Uh, Go Jazz! Woohoo! Speaking of, yeah, <laughs> speaking of Zach Wilson, do you see what Phil Simms said about him? He went out to Jets practice and was really impressed by the dude. So we'll see how it goes for the former Cougar. I am not only interested in what Phil Simms says, I want to hear what Molly Sims and Chris Sims have to say about Zach Wilson. <laughs> Why? Well, Phil's son, Chris, played a little quarterback, yeah. actually had been extremely high on him That's right. going back into before the draft. And as he was evaluating quarterbacks last between the end of the season and preceding the draft, so in those uh, late winter, early spring months, he had been saying that Wilson, he, I, I think it was him, floated the possibility of taking Wilson ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I remember that now. I do remember that. So maybe there's a familial thing going on there. But, PK, I will give you credit because 
you uh, you saw the talent in Zach Wilson and were convinced of it before most of the rest of us were. So I a tip of the cap to you on that. Uh, you saw you saw what uh, emerged, and so we'll see where it goes from here. But. And I saw the plays on Saturday. He looked pretty good against the Giants. We'll see what happens when uh, Salah opens the playbook a little more and lets him uh, wing it around. Yeah, that's interesting you say, speaking with Gordon Monson, big show fame, is that I saw it. You know, I would debate whether I saw it on my own or was the fact like a lot of the stuff that I say is gathered through information. Because I'll be the first to admit, I'm not a talent evaluator at the professional level. I mean, that's the thing about sports is that we can have fun with it. And I can say, you're going to think the Jazz are going to win. And we can debate that. And, you know, whether they do or not, no one really knows. And we won't know till next late spring, early summer. But we can make these bold proclamations and have fun with it. Because it's just sports talk in the end of the, as they say, as Donovan Mitchell says at the end of the day. That it, you know, it's just it's for fun. It's it, the, all, this job. That's what makes this job so awesome. Is we're just having fun. I mean, I view sports talk as having fun, and Homer, not Homer, this team, that team. I don't really get caught up in it. It's all for fun. Uh, but when I make these proclamations, it's not necessarily through my own ability. Sometimes it is, and maybe you just have a hunch or a gut feeling. But it's more through people that actually do it for a living and they're the ones who are far more expert at it than I am. Now we've been around enough that we ought to be able to have some idea who's good and who's not because just by sheer duration and length of watching practices and whatnot and games for so long as you and I have done, we can come to at least somewhat respectable conclusions about player XYZ. But for Wilson, it's more along the lines of people who know specifically what they're talking about, told me. Then I take that information, combine it with what I see, because you have to see it yourself, too, and then you can go and make those, not necessarily guesses, but uh, more along the lines of having some knowledge behind it and people to tell me that, you know, the so-called it factor, Wilson had it, and I think... And maybe it's the fan in me, and I don't have any problem admitting it, that it's the fan in me that wants to see him do well. So I'm going to say he's going to be an excellent quarterback. And we had a guy that you've known for a very long time, uh, Robbie Bosco, the other days, a couple of weeks ago, say that he thought he was going to be an exceptional quarterback. So I'm going to hang my hat on that, Gordon. And I'm stating, without hesitation, Zach Wilson, the AFC 2021 Rookie of the Year. Uh, I'm in San Bernardino. (laughs) (laughs) It it was long. It was a soliloquy, but it was not a ramble. I was on point the entire time. You were. were. Let me say a couple things about uh, what you said. First of all, yeah, I know, uh, and, and people sometimes think we're just making stuff up, but I know you for all these years and a lot of us, uh, we, we do talk with people. And it's interesting how coaches and others sometimes tell us things that are the straight-out truth that they won't say publicly. You oh, know? for sure, yeah. And then we can't out them by saying what right. they said because they told us off the record. And I know you do that on the reg, and uh, a lot of us do, or at least some of us do. So that, that that's an interesting deal where – 
people say, well, this coach said this or that, you know, publicly. Well, you know, take that with a grain of salt. And uh, sometimes it's frustrating because we know what is said publicly, but we also know what was said directly to us by people who know. So anyway, that's uh, that's. Uh, and I don't have any problem with you, uh, you know, wanting a, a feel-good story about some some kid who you saw play in their early years. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I I just have a problem when it turns into bias one against another, that kind of thing. Yeah, I actually saw Bryce Harper play baseball when he was 12. Yeah. And I uh, thought, okay, this kid's going to be something. Turns out he's not bad. It might be the rookie, or not the rookie of the year, the MVP this season. He's in contention for your Philadelphia Phillies. And so some kids you can identify early on. And then you 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 get into some information. And then that's real interesting about what you're saying about uh, coaches saying stuff. Because I could say stuff right now, right now, about BYU and Utah quarterback situation but I don't feel comfortable saying it right now because I have been told stuff pertaining to the quarterback competitions right now at both schools. But I, and even it was said to me in an off the record manner, but I don't even want to say it right now because I feel like that would give up guys. And the last thing you can call me a homer all you want. I don't care, but don't ever say that I give up guys and I say something and attribute it to someone when that person did not want any attribution at all. Whether I'm a homer or not, I don't care what you think, but it is real important to me that newsmakers slash coaches, uh, athletic directors, general front office people know full well that they can trust me 100%. That, to me, matters a trillion times more than if somebody thinks I root for the Cougars or Utes. The trust that I have built and my name, knowing if you set, you tell me something, it goes nowhere. It stays right here with me, never to be revealed under any circumstance. That is the most important aspect of my journalism career. So, PK, tell the truth. How many empires could you crush by telling the truth? You burn the te- you burn the city <laughs> down. I mean, it's funny. Sometimes people say. Okay, I'm going to tell you this, but please don't repeat it. And I say, man, <laughs> look, there's a couple of guys in this town that know a whole lot about everything, but uh, you know, we can't we can't talk about it because it is it was told to us in conference. Right, so, right. I mean that that happens, and that's a part of being. You know, you're a great reporter. You always been, and that's a part of uh, sort of seeking. Uh, journalistic truth. It sounds a little highfalutin, but you know what I'm saying. You know, you're trying to find out what's really going on, and sometimes you have to wade through some stuff and keep some stuff to yourself in order to get the, you know, the the, the bigger flyover. You know. So, oh yeah, yeah. I would say probably I would have revealed maybe twenty five percent, thirty percent of what I know. Uh, because you, I just won't do it. I I will not ever give up. And even if somebody, if I have an adversarial relationship with them. Uh, I will not. And I've had people who've had adversarial relationships with who've told me stuff and I won't give them up under no circumstance will never, ever happen. That's just not the way that that credibility means more to me than anything I've ever said or written. The fact that, and in fact, I actually enjoy that. I take a sense of pride that somebody who doesn't necessarily like me is still willing to tell me stuff because they know full well it goes nowhere. And so that's important to me. 
You know, the problem with you, Kinahan, is you don't even like yourself. I don't. And There's two things I don't like. One is me, and one is you. And the, the DK answers that response. All I can tell you is, Coach, on, on Christmas morning, I'm going to be opening presents with my kids, and you're going to be breaking down film. Well, sometimes you have to have you have to go back. And actually, I've found that if you go back at someone, that person ends up respecting you more because he. I don't know if he likes it, but he respects that you're willing to challenge him. <laughs> For those who don't know, we are talking about a big man who used to coach basketball at Utah. So that, that's the inside story. A phenomenal there. coach. One of the, well, that's Rick Majerus, obviously, one of the most intelligent, if not the most intelligent coach that I've ever been around. It's a funny story. I was out golfing with my wife uh, a little while back, and we come up on a tee. And there's a foursome there, and I pull back. You know, you don't drive right up to them. If any of you do that, that's pathetic golf etiquette. You know, you're supposed to lay back if you should come upon a group that's on a tee. You don't pull right up there. But I pulled up enough to where I could hear them, and they were going on. Well, people complain about Majerus and blah, 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 blah. And he's just going on. And my wife whispers to me, if they only knew who was in the cart behind them. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Majerus stories we can tell. You know, PK, but that brings up an interesting thing. I, I think it's interesting, and maybe some of your listeners do as well. But as, 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 through your years of, uh, of studying sports and covering beats and coaches and players and teams, where do you draw the line between what you know and and your these confidences of which you speak because ultimately you are a penultimate kind of uh, reporter and you're 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 looking for the truth because you want to present the truth to uh, to your readers or your listeners so where, where how do you handle that well it depends on how sensitive the information is and i can remember uh majerus specifically there was a player who and this is and it happened both schools, BYU and Utah, because I've covered both schools, covered Utah State for uh, a season or two, too, in football. And it depends on what level of information, uh, how sensitive it is. Now, I remember Majerus telling me there was a kid who left his program, and he left his program for some personal reasons that were of no interest to the public. And he told me. He told me. He laid it out, flat out. This is the deal. Now, he, and he said, now, you could run with this, and really embarrass the kid and his family, or you could just let it go. And the way he presented it to me, this is a young, this is not a professional ball player we're talking about. You know, at the professional level, it's sort of uh, not quite, but sort of anything goes. We're at the college level. Now, these kids are now going to start getting paid, but back in the day, they weren't and got their scholarship, and that was it. Uh, if they were a scholarship player. Uh, so it depends on the information. And I remember him telling me, it was a very serious conversation we were having, and uh, he was basically imploring me, you know, just let it let it go, let the kid go, and get on with his life. And I, I evaluated it, and I thought, Coach Majerus is 100% right in what he's telling me. And this does not need to be out in the public. There's other stuff that we vehemently disagreed upon that I made public. Uh, and he was furious at me. And there was a player at BYU that, and I think I told you about it, uh, 
that uh, he was a player and he was practicing with the team. And then in the offseason, he was spending some weekends in a slammer for something that happened. And it was a very, uh, it was a sensitive subject, obviously. And if you knew the particulars of it, which were explained to me by someone at BYU with the intent, I'll tell you because A, I can trust you, and B, when you see the situation as it plays out, you will agree that this is not information that should be made public because it will harm a college athlete. It will embarrass him. It will embarrass his family. The player had since gotten married. It would embarrass his wife, his wife's family, all these things that were out there. Uh, you know, so what do you do think- on that? And, and that situation never revealed it. But then you got the situation with Nick Emery, which was revealed in great length that I had known about for weeks and months ahead, but I didn't think it was worthy to be revealed. You guys at the newspaper did. So that's a real interesting discussion because there are disagreements about what should be made public no question. what shouldn't. But yeah. a lot of reporters, hardcore reporters, feel as though it's their duty to come forth with the truth. And it gets real complicated when when you have relationships involved. And PK, you and I have talked about this. You know, I mean, you're very well plugged in with many coaches and some of whom are your friends. And so what do you do? How do you handle that? When you're reporting on somebody, uh, but but you have varying degrees of relationships with them. Some of them you're not really particularly fond of, and some of them are friends. So how how do you handle that one, my friend? Well, I think it depends on what the news that you're reporting. Uh, what it what is the point? You know, if if uh, let's just take uh, Utah. Remember with. Uh, Joe Glenn. Remember Kyle got all bent out of shape. Joe Glenn said during the week at the Wyoming uh, Student Union, no, we're going we're gonna to kick the, these guys' butts or something. And that yeah, was in the... Pepper. It was a pepper. Yeah, and that was in the, in the early days of Kyle as a head coach where if you said, Kyle, I don't like your hair today, he was ready to drop you. <laughs> you know, he was feisty and ornery, and he was ready to go. Right. So, what does he do? They're they're slaughtering him. Was it the start of the second half that he goes with the onside kick or something? Yeah, yeah and, they were up like yeah. thirty-five. Right, right. So he does an onside kick, and Joe Glenn flips him off, and it was caught on television. Well, okay, then you come in. And I can remember I was asked that night to write something on it. And I wrote that that was a dumb thing to do. You shouldn't have onside kicked. And so what? He said it to the students at at a pep rally. Well, of course, we're going to go down to Salt Lake. Man, if we keep it within 30, we'll be happy. I mean, come on. You know what he's going to say? He's going to get fired up. It's a pep rally. It's in University of Wyoming. Uh, smallest fan base in, in the, the conference, one of the smaller ones. I mean, obviously they've got all sorts of uphill battles to overcome given their location and all that stuff. And so you, you, you shouldn't have done that. And Joe Glenn probably shouldn't have flipped him off, but nevertheless he did. So, and then we were doing the radio at the time. Then you come in here on, on Monday and said, oh, that, and that was dumb. But at the time, you know, between the, the play and the um, time we got to broadcast Monday morning, Kyle had apologized. So in that situation go at it you know go at it big time but once it gets involved in personal stuff 
uh, and I don't want to give up any more than that. And you know some stuff that that I know that took place and whatnot. So you got to understand. And we were, t- I was, I think I was just talking about that. Who was I talking about it with? I can't remember. Um, how you know it's an interesting di- uh, situation because uh, newsmakers slash coaches they they use the media, in, and yeah. sometimes you get played, and it's a give and take. And I've been played. And I admit I've been played sometimes, but that's the way it goes. You know, you got to go uh, do what you think is right, even though you're, you're getting played, but you're getting played for the extent of being able to have the news. So it's, it's a constant cat and mouse game that is played, and you use your best judgment in each situation and recognizing you're probably not going to be right 100% of the time. So I know a couple of uh, coaches who you're really close to, it, I, I'll, I'll tell you my attitude about this. I have had some coaches uh, and players that I haven't really particularly cared for and, and coaches that I really like and players I like. So it's, it's as a columnist and a commentator, it's a tricky business because you don't want to allow that to uh, come into play like you were talking about uh, with Kyle. And, and I, I, when I have these conversations with coaches, I say exactly what you just said, DK. I say, if you do something really dumb, I mean, I really like you. I like your personality. I, I like you as a person. But if you do something or if, you, if there's some news to break that uh, it doesn't necessarily shine a favorable light on you, uh, it has to be – it has to come to light, you know, if it's uh, an appropriate story. So, anyway, uh, it, it, is, it is a balancing act, and it's always been that way in sports. You and I, going back many, many years, know that guys are plugged in uh, with all kinds of coaches and players. And, and it, but, but ultimately, you do have to have a responsibility for the people you report to, which is namely listeners and readers. Oh, yeah, no question about that. Yeah. And I think, you know, as long as your supervisors understand that, you're good to go. I'm just, in the final analysis, speaking with the legend, Gordon Monson, that you can hear him. It's right to, uh, on our station. It's 2 o'clock this afternoon. I mean, I'm I'm surprised that you don't think there's any question that the Jazz are going to win the NBA title in 2022. That that blows no. me away, but that's your opinion. So, Never you know, so be that. it. <laughs> Never said that. <laughs> Never said that. Because <laughs> uh, I wouldn't bet, uh, I don't bet on sports, and I wouldn't bet a whole lot of money on that. But... I do think that the Jazz are pretty damn talented, and they have an opportunity to do something. But, I mean, when I look around, in order to win an NBA title, you know this, PK, you got to be good and you got to be lucky. I mean, everything, everything has to come together in just the right way. I'm not one of those guys that says, oh, you know, the Jazz, just enjoy them for what they are. No, their job is to do everything they can to win a title. Uh, and, and, and fans deserve that, especially jazz fans. They've been hanging with this team for a long, long time. Uh, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say they're gonna do it because I, in my heart, I, I don't believe that. But I think they've positioned themselves pretty well. Well, what I do know is I offered, because I came into a little money, and I offered to take you and your wife on a 10-day Mediterranean cruise next June, but you declined because you said, you know, I'm going to be busy covering the NBA Finals. So <laughs> I just I just took that information and assumed that you believe that the Jazz were going to win it all. Maybe I extrapolated a little bit more, but the fact is I was offering to pay 
Monet for a 10-day Mediterranean cruise, and because of the timing, you respectfully, I might add, declined because you knew you would be extremely busy at that time, and you mentioned something. I was, I got close to you. You didn't really shout it. You sort of whispered it, but you mentioned something about being at the NBA Finals. There is uh, there is one word that describes what you just said, and that's true. It's, it's the only swear word I've ever said <laughs> on the air <laughs> back in the day. And uh, it, well, let's just abbreviate it to BS. Big story, exactly, exactly. It's a big story. I agree, very much a big story. You've got your thoughts. You share them. You write them. You articulate them, and we appreciate them. On top of that, thanks for joining us this morning, Gordon. You are so full of crap. Hey, you know this whole this whole segment reminds me of the time I went to PK's birthday party, and uh, there were there was a big crowd of people there. And uh, the time was turned over to him. And PK, you you gave a monologue that went on for a half an hour that uh, impresses me to this day. So uh, that's what this felt like. But I'm glad I could elicit this out of you. I, your listeners appreciate it. All right. Thanks for joining us, Gordon. Listen to you to, uh, this afternoon with Jake Scott at 2 o'clock. See you, man. All right. That's Gordon Monson. You can read him. At the Tribune, you can hear him right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone every Monday through Friday. The Godfather, Vito Monson, as we refer to him. When I get with him, I genuflect, that's a Catholic term for kneeling, and kiss the back of his hand because he is the Godfather. There's no question about that. All right, what do you think? Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid. Talk about Cam Rising and Charlie Brewer. I'm not asking you to pick favorites here. I'm just saying, you know, what are the strengths and what are these guys bringing to the table right now that, as Coach mentioned, this battle's neck and neck right now? I mean, in the spring, uh, you know, everyone kind of said, you know, Charlie's the guy, Charlie's the guy. And I know Cam's competitor, so I knew he's going to come back stronger than ever. And that's kind of where we're at right now is it's definitely neck and neck. I wouldn't be able to make a decision right now. I'm more than confident in both of them being able to do the job. So I think it's just going to come down to it. And whoever can just be a, a playmaker and take over that offense. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, Yach, it'll blow your mind. Boom. Nice. Trying to get a fill on one of those. I like that. We all got to move up a roll. I got to step up to be the leader because the snake dog is out on a soccer retreat, getting his kicks, trying to find a way to score, putting it in the back of the net. And I also think he's mourning the loss of Carly Lloyd, who's stepping aside here at 39 years of age. We wish her well. I stand with Carly Lloyd. See what I did there? Well done. Well done. <laughs> there will be certain people who will get that, other people will not. <laughs> A fabulous career. I think she's going to hang it up uh, in October. The Women's uh, League is when it's done. Uh, prolific, prolific, I say, goal scorer. Carly Lloyd. We're talking about the top of the hour. 
going to get with somebody from New Orleans, find out what is going on with their quarterback situation. Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL Podcast, is going to be joining us. Taysom Hill going to start down in New Orleans. And if he does, that means BYU is going to have two starting quarterbacks in the NFL. What does that mean for BYU? And that's during the independent era. Oh, I think Taysom probably was recruited. He might have been recruited as a WAC player. I'm not sure. Certainly as a Mountain West player. These guys get old on us when they go on missions and do all that stuff. And uh, so two quarterbacks in the in the independent era starting in the NFL, if that happens. And I'm certainly rooting for Taysom to start. He was a good kid. I mean, most of these, 99% of these kids that we cover in college are just great kids, and you enjoy being around them. I had the opportunity the other day, we played it this morning. Uh, Clark Phillips interviewed him, a uh, cornerback for University of Utah. You want to talk about a kid that you can get behind? I don't care who you are, man. Listening to him talk about why he's here at University of Utah and how he's taken 18 hours to try to graduate in less than three years. How do you, how do you not support that, man? I think, of course you do. And he may play for the other team, and you don't want him to have a pick six against you on September 11th. I understand all that. But as far as human beings, can't you get behind him? This kid's a great representative of what, what we need out of young people. We, be, we all benefit from that, right? I think we do. So I was asking, Utes and Cougars, do you have animosity towards kids when they go on and play professionally? Is there going to be BYU fans that if Tyler Huntley should get in the game, you're going to root against him? Or are there going to be Ute fans that Taysom Hill, you don't want to see him start? Taysom Hill, who had what? What do you have, 14 season-ending injuries at BYU? And here he is still overcoming them all to play in the NFL? And BYU having two starting quarterbacks if it comes to that? Can you get behind that? What does it mean for the Cougars if they have two starting quarterbacks in the NFL? That's a nice selling point for other folks as far as recruiting. And that's and, and I'm writing about that. Uh, I just gave it to Yak. He'll post it on 1280 The Zone. And uh, my buddy Josh Furlong over at KSL.com will post it later this morning. To me, this Built Bar and the Built Brands thing that they did, I think the best thing about it was is that it, it 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 sells the program, the athletic program. And I know, what's his name? Nick Green, co-founder. He was talking about, he had a press conference on Friday. Nick Greer. Greer, excuse me, Greer. Uh, and he was talking about uh, how uh, what he wants to do is advocate for the whole rather than the individual. And we see that with Alabama. This Bryce Young has already got, Nick Saban said, almost a million dollars in endorsements. And great, good for him. Sweet, way to go. Uh but what about the rest of us? You know, the little guy. I consider myself a little guy. And Mr. Greer was talking about that, about, uh, you know, maybe he used the uh, examples of women's volleyball and men's golf. And can they get something? And we can promote these young people who are doing such fantastic work. And they are some of the best that we have. And he was talking about how they're future leaders. All right, I can buy all that. Yeah, get behind these kids. And support them, if you can support them financially, if you have businesses, uh, and sponsor them. We'll see what happens. And that's a great thing a Great thing about it. You know, for the walk-ons, they get the equivalent cost of tuition. That's good for them. And then the scholarship players get an extra $1,000. Uh, 
Uh, money can come and go, but I, I think it sends a message that uh, BYU's in to play the game, and here's the game to be played, which includes uh, some type of financial remuneration, and we'll see what other things happen going forward and who does what. Uh, so I'm excited for that and the opportunity. As BYU strives to get into a P5 conference, I think they need to be in. I think they should be in, and they have offers. They have things that they can offer, things that they can sell, things that other conferences can benefit. So we'll see about that. And we wish Zach Wilson well, Taysom Hill well, and whoever it might be. Tyler Huntley, what a success story, man. Kid from Florida coming all the way out to Utah, graduating. Let's not forget that. Graduating, getting a degree, not getting drafted, but making the team as a free agent uh, with Baltimore. Yeah, I'm going to get behind that. I'm going to support that. Gets an opportunity to play. Maybe he doesn't play. He makes the team great. Uh, receives that money. All right. DJ and I had an opportunity to be with a player that I believe is going to play in the NFL. Has a great opportunity. That is Utah tight end Brant Keithy. And we spent some time with him. And we'll play that for you next. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. It's our friend O.C., Sean O'Connell. What are you hearing about Utah's quarterback race? How close is it really? I think this is Charlie Brewer's team, and that's a reversal from what I was seeing and hearing coming out of spring ball. A lot of the conversation was, look, just wait. Cam Rising won the job last year. Cam Rising is going to win the job again. And I think Charlie Brewer's development with the receivers and the voluntary workouts and tight ends of the voluntary workouts, his leadership on this team, I do believe this is going to be Charlie Brewer's job. But we'll see, because Cam Rising's obviously playing Playing well enough that this coaching staff is not ready to declare anything just yet. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Thanks for joining us. It's almost 9 o'clock on this Tuesday, August 17th morning appreciate you listening to us all this time and today college football is in the air for sure and one of the guys who's going to be on the receiving ends of those footballs that are going to be in the air no matter who's throwing them for the u of u is going to be tight end brad keithy who is a star in the making andy ludwig is a great offense coordinator knows how to put him in the position to succeed and we saw it Two years ago, last year, we saw it a little bit, obviously only in five games, didn't see enough of it, and we hope to see it this year in the 15 games that the University of Utah will play, which of course includes the two playoff games and the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, that'd be something. That'd be a great story. Would love to see it. Here's DJ and PK speaking with the tight end of the University of Utah, one of the tight ends, Brant Keithy. How different is it this year, the way you guys have moved through quarterbacks? I mean, you played five games last year, you three different quarterbacks, and now you got a transfer who could be the guy, maybe Cam will, but you only got 14 snaps with him. Yeah. How much does that matter as you work with all these different quarterbacks? Uh, I don't think it really matters much. Uh, we're just all getting work, and quarterbacks can rotate through groups each day. So we get, you get work, and especially for the summer, um, we, we get a tremendous amount of work day in, day out. We're throwing about five or six days a week. So, I mean... 
there's that little camaraderie and getting like infused together as a team. But um, I wouldn't say it's really any different. I mean, Cam has been here for a little bit longer. He knows the offense and it kind of clicks better for him. But Charlie's doing a great job and I'm just excited for the competition. Okay, so you've been here too. So you have a relationship with Rising. You're developing one with Brewer. But you got a couple other guys that are transfers at, at the receiver. Uh, how about their development? Do you think that that is something that is a work in progress and, and maybe needs a little more time than somebody like you who's been in the program for a while? Uh, I would say yes and no. Um, development, development, maybe not. Um, it's just getting used to this offense, getting used to this team. A lot of guys come from different programs and some different perspective on a lot of different things. But um, I think with this fall camp, it's definitely going to help them mold into the players that they want to be. And uh, a lot of the transfers are looking good right now. I'm just excited for week three and week four in fall camp. So do you see that a lot when you're watching film early on? Guys have their way of doing things based on whatever they were taught at their last college or their high school. And when you watch on film, you're like, yeah, I'm in my third year. That's not that's in how this staff wants it. Uh, I would say at the beginning, yes, uh, especially when during the summer when we were just running routes and kind of doing our own thing. Uh, yeah, but as, as soon as we get out there and all the coaches out there and we're, we kind of get a sense of uh, this is how things should be ran. It's getting a lot better each day and each day and out. It's getting a lot more crisp and uh, I can see those guys kind of having a clicking in their brain that this is how it should be ran. So as far as the program goes, all the tight ends or at least the top three are veterans in the program and veterans under Andy Ludwig's offense. Do you think they maybe that could help you guys as far as the tight end position to really be effective? Uh, for sure. I would say from year one, uh, we were effective, but uh, it, it, it is our fourth year in and uh, getting all those guys back and the uh, the connection that we have is, is different than anybody else in the country and I, I do truly believe that our tight end group is probably the best, if not the best tight end uh, group in the country and it's just great because um, we can kind of do it all. We can run block, we can pass block, and we can run routes. So, And on some some, some occasions we can run the ball also, but um, I think that gives us a huge different different dimension in any, anywhere else in the country is that we can kind of do anything and no one else can. You took that. You took my next question away. I thought you were going to leave out running the ball. <laughs> how, how big a rush is that when you because on a pass play maybe you have an idea you're getting the ball, but on a run you know you're getting the ball. How different is that for you? Uh, it's a little bit different. It's kind of just thinking all the things, but it kind of just my mind goes blank and this is what I have to do. And as soon as I get the ball, I just have to see what happens. See downfield. So you had a breakout season a couple years ago. Last year was haywire for everybody. But the point being is you got on the radar a little bit. You might have had an opportunity to do something else, but you chose to, to stay here and, and continue. What went into that decision making? Uh, for sure, it's just we've been to Pac-12 twice and South Champs is really not enough. Uh, both years, it's kind of came up short and last year going three and two, it's just didn't, it kind of left a bad taste in our mouths at the end of the year and especially that last game, just we just didn't play how we really wanted to and just uh, it kind of came up and talked to some of the guys and just uh, our main focus is going to Pac-12 Championship, and after that, they can just take care of the rest, but uh, that's our main goal right now is Pac-12 Championship. So, when Kyle Whittingham says there's a lot of similarities between this team and the 2019 team, as far as talent, leadership, number of guys he thinks will either be drafted or at least go to camps as free agents in the NFL, do you see all of that? For sure, yeah. We have a tremendous amount of talent, especially our transfers coming in, and uh, 
I think with both of these quarterbacks, we can we can definitely do something this year, most definitely, and especially with the talent we have at the tight end position, receivers, O-line. We have a lot of people coming back, and we do have a lot of young faces, but um, I think a lot of the young guys are going to have to step up and help, and I think they're going to be able to do that. What specifically do you think you need to work on? I would say definitely my uh, my blocking. Just my blocking hasn't gotten to where I needed to get for the past couple of years, and also I just got to crisp up everything in my route running and kind of this, the coverage disguises and all that stuff, just learning the ins and outs of the game. So when you say quarterbacks, plural, you just complimented both of them there. Some of that has to be being politically correct with the media, but some <laughs> of that you might also actually believe. Two years ago, I think there was a sense we got to keep Tyler Huntley healthy. Yeah. And you still want to keep your starter healthy, whoever it is, but do you have the feeling that if you have to go to a second quarterback, there won't be much of a drop-off? I don't think there's going to be a drop-off, if any, because uh, both these guys are looking great. They both can run the ball. Both can sling it. Not afraid to throw it. And uh, I think this year, if we do pass more, it's it's going to be a hell of a game each year. Yeah. <laughs> Since you're you're out there, you're you're sort of a marked man now. You can't really catch anybody by surprise like you may have done a couple mm-hmm. years ago. How much do you need to be aware that you're going to be a focal point going, particularly in conference games, mm-hmm. obviously, that people are, are going to be defending, game planning to defend you? You know, I mean, just like last year, uh, probably every other play I was getting double covered, and that just leaves an opportunity for someone else to get open. So I, I'm not going to really complain much about that, and it's kind of honestly a compliment if some guy, if some teams are going to put two on me. It's, it's going to be fine, but once they put one-on-one coverage, I, I'm not sure anybody else can cover me in, in this league. Yeah, but you want stats, don't you? Yeah, I do, but uh, <laughs> I also do want to win. So I, I'm okay with giving up some stats to win. Well, I mean, just to be perfectly blunt, NFL scouts, if they see you getting doubled all the time, they know why. Mm-hmm. I mean, that looks good on tape, too. Yeah, for sure. I, I would definitely say that's just the ultimate focus is going to the Pac-12 Championship and winning game, each game, one game at a time. Anticipated moving and being slotted at different spots in the field, because that's what you have been. Yeah, um, I would say I'm going to do it all. I'm not going to really give away anything that we're going to do, but um, I would say I'm going to be moving everywhere. Uh, you guess, I'll probably be there, too. It's just i kind of that guy that moves around, and I don't like being stagnant in one position, so I would expect I'm going to be moving around a lot this year. There you go. That's Brad Keithy. Yeah, I actually love it when they move him around and they put him in different spots because he's spectacular, man. He can even run the ball a little bit. I mean, he's got all sorts of agility and athletic talent, right? So he can he can do a lot of different stuff for you. So, uh, And Andy Ludwig, I think, uh, is a master at putting this kid in a position to succeed. All right, coming up next, we're going to head down to the bayou, man, find out what is going on with the quarterback situation with the New Orleans Stace. Is Taysom Hill going to start, be the second BYU Cougar to be the starting quarterback in the NFL this season. Stay with us. We'll get to that next on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.